There's a line my mentor always tells me, and it's when you read back through your copy through your promotions, is it mainly product or prospect focused? And the problem is, if it's not prospect focused enough, you're probably not bringing up those stories as much as you should. So on today's podcast, I want to bring on a guest who's going to clarify what are some more ideas and prospect focused copy you should be focusing on. Welcome to Storytelling Secrets. This is the podcast for coaches, consultants, and course creators who want to unlock their core stories and use the stories to sell more online. It's a place to master persuasion and influence so you can build a deep relationship with your audience. And it's a place where real-world marketing strategies, tips, and lessons are shared freely. If that interests you, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Jules Dan, and I've battled my way from being a broke group fitness instructor to a full-time, in-demand, freelance email copywriter. Now, I'm ready to get to work. Follow along on my journey as I share my everyday hard-won lessons. I'm Jules Dan, and this is Storytelling Secrets. G'day, my name is Jules Dan. Welcome back to Storytelling Secrets. My guest today is Mark Evans from the Marketing Spark podcast. Now, Mark is a fractional CMO who works with B2B SaaS companies looking to attract and engage better prospects. And I know if you're listening, you most likely are a coach or consultant. Never fear because the ideas that we share on today's podcast are especially relevant if you're trying to market a new product, you're thinking of that marketing strategy, you've got a coaching program that has the same things as your other competitors. So like a feature war, so to speak, when you're marketing. It's never a good idea. So I really drill down with Mark how he differentiates with his clients by using story in their marketing, especially when they're coming up with something new, um, a bunch of other stuff as well. But more importantly, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I try to keep this intro short from now on. I don't want to keep rambling. <laughs> but if you do want to get in touch with Mark, he does have a free 10-step guide to embrace podcasting, if you're interested. So we've got that uh, freebie in the show notes below. Other than that, hope you enjoyed today's episode with Mark Evans from the Marketing Spark podcast. Hey, how's it going? This is Jules Dan from Storytelling Secrets. I'm joined by Mark Evans from the Marketing Spark podcast. I'm really excited to have Mark on today because he's on the forefront of using storytelling in your marketing. And we're going to be talking a whole bunch of different things from brand positioning, LinkedIn, how B2B companies can use storytelling in the marketing. Uh, Mark, really excited to have a chat with you today. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. I'm really uh, glad to be here. Yes. So excited. Now, I wonder if you could tell my audience a little bit about you, you know, the cliff note versions of Mark. The cliff note version, that's going to be a bit of a bit of a challenge, but I'll, I'll try to do it. Yep. So originally I was a newspaper reporter. I covered technology. Oh, cool. And then one day a VC said to me, hey, you should come and work for a startup. And that was the end of my journalism career. And I worked for a bunch of startups. I founded a startup and then I got laid off by a startup and somehow stumbled into marketing consulting, which I've been doing since 2008. And so most of my clients are B2B SaaS companies that aren't doing any marketing or they're doing marketing, but they're not very good at it. And so what they do yep. is they have me come in and try to fix their marketing. But for a lot of companies where I start is I try to start with their story because one of the biggest challenges with these companies is there's so much competition. It's impossible to stand out unless you've got good positioning. 
Yeah, especially say like in the tech space, SaaS space, where it's like a feature war almost. Like who's who's got the latest? And like sometimes I know as a consumer, maybe you feel this is the same way too. But it it just seems like a, it's really numbing. Like like what does this feature even mean to me? So. Um, what's your experience been like with, have you had anyone who's like, I'm just curious, who's been in that feature war and you're like, look, let's go back to the basics. Let's look at the story and then let's turn this around. Well, I've worked with a lot of clients and you know, it sounds kind of crazy, but the easiest thing about being a B2B business, B2B SaaS business is that it's easy to create a B2B SaaS business. Software development is relatively easy these days. The hard part is actually capturing the spotlight and standing out from the crowd. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my clients, the problem is, is that every single market has dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of companies that look like you, talk like you, they have the same prices, the same features, the same benefits. So how do you stand out? And sometimes you have to, you have to find your something, right? There's something that makes you, that differentiates you. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. That's really hard because like, there's just too many rivals. So that's one of the biggest things that companies struggle with these days. Yeah. So that, clearly that differentiating is the number one thing when you go talk to them. Now, I'm just curious, let's say someone's in that position. What's one of the first things that you, you ask them when you go speak to them? Like what's going wrong? Um, and then how do you sort of like work backwards and diagnose what might so, be going wrong? Well, one of the things, the first thing you say is who's your ideal customer? Like who matters to you? Like, mm. like when you were building your product, were you thinking of someone who really had a problem that you wanted to solve? And usually they can come up with that person and it's, and it's pretty straightforward. And then the second question is, so how are you different from everybody else? And that's the hard one. That's what I struggle Because sometimes they go, well, we're less expensive. We're easy. We're easier to use. Um, our software is, is better. And it's like, well, that doesn't really give me a reason why you're different or why you're better. And it's a struggle for a lot of companies. So that's where I start. I often, you have to sort of build a foundation before you can actually get going with marketing. Yeah. Um, you've often got to run, be- walk before you run, but a lot of companies don't want to do that because they want to move fast. Yes. So walk before they run. Could you give uh, a bit more of an example of what that might mean um, in terms of someone who's in that position? You know, like they think they know what they've got, but what are the foundational things that they need to work on? So think of the typical narrative for an entrepreneur. They land upon a problem that they're excited about. They create this piece of software mm-hmm. and what what's most important to them is getting customers as quickly as possible so they can prove to everybody in the world that they're right and how smart they are and they can raise money and become a millionaire. The problem is that they often put the cart before the horse. They're thinking, how can I get business before they have a plan, before they have a story, before they identify, truly identify the customers that really need their product. And so a lot of things get lost in the process because they they just don't give themselves a chance to plan to think to strategize partly because they think that because there's so much competition that the only way they're going to do well is if they move super fast and often that hurts them more than it helps yeah so definitely not doing that strategic planning is something just came to my mind i haven't read this for ages you know how seth godin he talks about that quadrant and then like what area like is it super high quality or is it low quality or is it uh, super expensive, low expensive. And it's like, what part of the quadrant are you serving that audience? Is, is that sort of what you're talking about or does it go much, much deeper? 
Well, as a starting point, you're absolutely right. You do want to place yourself within the competitive landscape. So everybody will fall within the quadrant and you need to understand where can you stand out? Because mm -hmm. you don't want to be in the same quadrant as everybody else because it's going to be hard to compete. So you have to figure out, is there another quadrant that's less populated, that's less yeah. competitive where you can thrive? Even if it's better, like it's better to be a big fish in a small pond than be a teeny tiny fish in a big pond because, because that's the way that you could survive. So every business has different dynamics. And where I start with a lot of clients is positioning. And a lot of them just want to do tactics. And my thing is, thing is listen, yeah. let's start with positioning. Let's get your story down. Because once you have a story, then it makes marketing and sales a lot easier. And it's a foundation. And the hardest thing for a lot of companies is that they just have to start really slowly before they can gain a lot of traction. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like you just said, picking that right quadrant where maybe it's, you're saying, so you're saying pick the quadrant where it's not too overpopulated, but populated enough where you can still at least, you know, have a market share. And then once you pick that, it's all about positioning and then picking the right story that's going to appeal to that right audience. So you know, sometimes I feel like stories are a dime a dozen these days. Like everyone's heard, tell your story, tell your story. And there are some shocking stories out there where it, it doesn't involve the reader. It doesn't make the customer the hero. Uh, so like, what are some steps that you would try and do to pull out that story from your clients? Well, let me, let me start by maybe a little bit of explanation why a lot of storytelling is so bad because everyone likes to talk the talk, right? But they can't walk the walk. Like storytelling is, is an easy concept to say, yeah, we're going to tell stories, but the leap from concept to reality, there's something gets lost in translation. And you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of companies think that the product is the hero. They should talk about how wonderful the product is. The, this product is the most amazing thing in the world. It's super innovative. Like it allows mm -hmm. you to, go fast or go slow or lose weight or get fit. Yep. And you know what? Customers don't care. They don't care about your product. Your product isn't the hero. What they care about is themselves. Yeah. And what you need to do as a company when it comes to storytelling is that, you, as you say, your customer needs to be the hero or your partner needs to be the hero or your employee needs to be the hero. But that's what matters. And that's what good storytelling is all about because it's marketing that resonates with target audiences because it's about them and their experiences. And one of the best ways to tell a story is to create, help a customer visualize what it, it would be like to experience your using your product. And I'll give you a great example. Yeah, Think of Airbnb, right? Airbnb, if you, if by definition, is an online booking system to stay in different accommodations around the world. If you, if you boil it all down, that's all that's it, it is. is. Yeah. But the way that Airbnb positions itself and the stories that it tells is Airbnb is a medium that helps you experience new places, meet new people, have these amazing experiences, has nothing to do with the mechanics of what they do. Yeah. So that's the, that's the experience that they're trying to deliver to customers. And that's what makes Airbnb so exciting because that's what they want. They want that experience. They, they don't care about an online booking service because you can go to booking.com to make that happen. Hmm. But Airbnb, that's what the that's the power of brand and the power of brand storytelling. Yeah. And while we're talking about on Airbnb, um, I don't know if they led with this story, but I've heard the founder's story. I can't remember the details, but I remember I listened to it and it was just fascinating, like how he came up with the concept of Airbnb and it just took off from there. Um, so you mentioned before that you've got your part, there's a partner's story, there's an employee 
or the customer's a hero, you know, when would be a good time in your positioning to tell the founder's story versus these other ones where they're the hero of the customer? So hero of the story. Yeah, you can tell the, the founder stories at any time along the way, but yeah. but I would argue that the best time to tell the founder story is early on. So think about when a company or a startup launches, they have no customers, they have no track record, nobody knows who they are. So the only things they can talk about is themselves and what they think. So the early days, the founder story is something that builds empathy with the audience because founder stories can be super interesting. There's a lot of serendipity, mm. you know, accidents. You talked about Airbnb, Airbnb, for example, like they rode that story for a long time. You know, the story is that there was a big conference in San Francisco. All the hotels were sold out. They had this apartment and they thought, well, why don't we get some blow up mattresses that's and we'll get these designers to crash on our living room floor. And that's the story of Airbnb. And people love those stories, you know, it, it, because it's, it's like when you go to a party and you meet, you meet this couple and you say to them, how did you guys, they're married. How did you guys meet? We love those stories. I don't know why, but we love those stories. And so you can ride an, an origin story a long way, but even along the way, um, those stories still resonate. For example, everyone, I don't know if Chipotle, do you have that down where you we live? I don't, but I've been to the US. I've tried it. It's good. So, so I know Chipotle for the uninitiated is, is, is healthy, uh, burritos, healthy Mexican food. And so they yep. use like a lot of vegetables and natural ingredients, yep. but the, the founder of Chipotle never wanted to start a burrito fast food chain. He wanted to be a French chef. So he went to culinary art school, culinary school. Um, and that's what his goal was. And while he was trying to save money, he started this restaurant on the side, but they keep on telling that story because it's such a great story, right? So if you're an, if you are a founder and you've got a great origin story, you should tell it again and again and again. And if you're a founder and you have a good sto origin story, my advice is amp it up a little bit to make it even better because yeah. that's those kind of things get eaten up. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I was reading some Dan Kenny the, the other day and he's just like, you're going to get sick of your story the hundredth time you're telling it because it's going to be the first or second time someone else is going to be hearing it. So get used to telling your story. Um, and the other thing that you mentioned was really interesting. Maybe you can comment on was that you can tell the same story, but just, you know, you change up the meaning a little bit. So it serves a different objective when you're trying to maybe, uh, I don't know, solve a particular objection or maybe you're trying to demonstrate a value in action or, or whatever it is you, you could maybe use the same story but have a different not necessarily like a punchline but the ending will, will try and give that lesson a bit differently um is, is that something you, you would work on or is it just not on no, your radar? I, well I, I think i think stories can be told in different contexts they can you can have different ways that you approach a story you know you can tell you can let, let's say for example you have a, a co-founder you can talk about where you met you can talk about how you met you can talk about the conflicts or the things that you had to work through when you were starting the company there's lots of different ways that you can lots of different angles you can come at yep i think you know fundamentally those type of stories are really important as you establish a brand, as you establish a brand personality, like there's, there's gotta be ways that you can attract an audience. And if, it, if your story resonates, if it's the way that you can attract an audience early, you tell that story over and over again. Another great one, if we're on this theme yep. is, is Pierre Amidyar at eBay. Now the story of eBay is that Pierre's girlfriend was into collecting Pez dispensers, you know, those candy dispensers. And he wanted to create a place where she could buy and sell Pez dispensers. And that story in the early days of eBay was, was gaining traction, was super popular. You know what? That story wasn't true. 
their PR person made it up. Oh, and sucks. and then it got written up by somebody, I think it was Inc. or Enterprise Magazine, and they just rode with it. They just wrote it out because the real story is that Pierre Omager was this geeky guy and he wanted to build a online marketplace. That was it. Yep. And so, but everybody loves the Pez story, so keep on telling it. Yeah, I love these little things. Sometimes maybe my, my audience might be listening and they might think, okay, I'm excited. I've got my origin story. I've got maybe my, my customer employee, my my co my co-founder's story as well you know you might get so many ideas but then how do we put into action you, you mentioned before you do you go we're going back to traditionals like really good quality content marketing what would the content strategy be and piecing all these pieces together so it's not just throwing stuff on the wall that's an interesting question because i think there's different stories for different types of audiences and there's different ways that you can tell stories some stories are about you and your struggles and your challenges. I mean, you know, there's a company called Groove and they've been, they were very open with how they built their product, how they struggled, how they almost died. So that's a story you can tell. There's stories about your successes. There's stories about your customer successes. And those are the best stories to tell. In fact, the best stories to tell are the stories that your customers tell about their successes with your product. Now that's gold because customer stories are authentic and they're believable. You can tell great stories yourself, but your customers are your best storytellers. So if you can create ways to encourage your, your, your customers to tell their stories, then that is awesome. Think about a company like GoPro, whose marketing is driven by the videos that their customers make and share yeah. with GoPro. So all yeah. those great biking adventures and climbing mountains, so those are proof. awesome, right? And it's And GoPro doesn't invest that much at all in them. So there's different ways to come at content using different vehicles and different kinds of people. Yeah. And what's your favorite content delivery? I know you said LinkedIn is, is a no brainer for a lot of businesses. And why is that? Well, shifting gears a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We could use the context of like <laughs> using your customer story in the context of LinkedIn. Cause that's where I hang out the most. Um, well, I'd love to hear well, well, if you want to thread the last part of our discussion to this right, discussion, great segue, really, Julian. By the way, <laughs> exactly. But it really is. Let's let's use content as as the segue into LinkedIn from yep. content marketing. Okay. So two years ago, for most most people probably ignored LinkedIn, even though we all had accounts to put our resumes on there because it was a it was a place where HR people hung out and where you tried to get a job when you're really desperate, right? You couldn't get one through your network. Today, LinkedIn is a social network and a content machine. There, there are a growing number of people who, like me, who are publishing content every single day, day in, day out, dem demonstrating thought leadership, uh, driving brand awareness, telling their stories in different ways, and some, in many respects, telling their stories in 250 words or less, but nevertheless, connecting with the global audience. I mean, there are 730 million members of LinkedIn these days. So at some point in time, you're going to put yourself in front of a lot of people. So if you're a B2B or B2C company, you have to be on LinkedIn because yeah. now I don't know what the situation like is in Australia, but in Canada, like I may not get a vaccine until late 2021. So we're not going anywhere, right? We're not going to conferences. We're not leaving. We're yeah. not, you know, I think you guys have been a lot stricter than we have in Canada. 
And so we're gonna be hanging out online. And where do people hang out? Where do professional people hang out? LinkedIn. LinkedIn. And increasingly Clubhouse, but but LinkedIn. So if you are a B2B brand or a B, or or a B2C uh, or want to build your personal brand, you have to be on LinkedIn. You have to be creating content, connecting with people because that's part of the game. But the key to LinkedIn is conversations, is reaching out to people and re- and asking them to have a conversation because everybody is happy to talk these days. Yeah. So like the reason why I did my very unelegant uh, LinkedIn bridge from the little content discussion we had before is because I like to post stories too. I like to use uh, like you said, try and demonstrate thought leadership. You, tr- you use different stories for trying to, to use different purposes. Um, not just customer success stories, but like even just like your own personal failures and lessons you learned from that. So, you know, I've got a whole spreadsheet of dozens of different like values and lessons I want to get across, but Christian, I like, what kind of stories would you come up for yourself versus like a personal brand versus a company? Like, are they the same or are they different? They can be, but a person, personal branding obviously is a lot easier because you know you really well. And, you know, the thing about LinkedIn is that increasingly you've got to mix things up because you can't be telling the same story over again. This is how you do content marketing. This is how exactly. you write a blog. This is how you yeah. like, like the best people are telling different types of stories. And I'll give you a great example. Uh, yesterday I was walking, I'm going somewhere with this story, but I was walking my, our dog with my wife and she said to me, you know, I've, um, I've learned to accept, uh, imperfections. And I thought she was talking about me and my imperfections and some of my shortcomings. And I thought about that and I said, you know what, I'm going to write a LinkedIn post about what you just said, which I did today. And the whole thing was walking our dog, my wife saying this outrageous thing about which I thought it was about me and then talking about how marketing is not a perfect entity either. And there's imperfections in marketing. So you're trying to great stories, bring in things that people can relate to. Cause I'm sure lots of people have dogs. I'm sure many people's wives or their husbands say strange things to them. Right. And yep. so it's just about personality and it's just about drawing people into, into your content without them even thinking about the fact that you're selling something. Right. Cause ultimately yep. I'm, I'm trying to sell me. Right. So there are lots of ways to get at, at uh, LinkedIn through content. Yeah, that's that's so critical. Like you said, bridging what's known to say like the unknown in, in a way that's very relatable. I love doing that. Um, it's it, 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 I don't know about you, but there's a lot of boring content on LinkedIn. Maybe it's in Australia, but I don't know what it's like in Canada, but there's some really boring content. <laughs> I think you and me must be looking at the same feeds. You know, the problem is that we've been the people who are creating content have been hammering away for a year, literally, because we've been, we've all been locked up since March. So it's, it's almost a year that, and I think a lot of people have run out of ideas. Now, I don't know about you. One of the things that drives me crazy is people who post one sentence posts or two sentence posts. And it's completely obvious, like a good product makes marketing easier, period. It's like, oh, come on. Right. It's like, like you know, Twitter, because they want to, not- they want to, yeah, Twitter, right? Yeah, but they want a presence. And there's a lot of boring content because content, creating content on a regular basis is really hard. It's hard to be creative or inspired or interesting or even engaging. And so I think what you need to think about, and this is back to my original point about high quality content. Yeah. It, it should be a game of quality, not quantity. It's about delivering value, not delivering every single day. And a lot of, brands need to focus on this because like you, people get bored. 
if you're reading the same crappy content every single day, you know what you're going to do? You're going to ignore it. And the brand is going to lose any brand aura or, or affinity that it's gained. Right. So Definitely. that's the thing about content marketing is it it's an investment in time and energy and the best uh, organizations create content on a sustained basis. Like it doesn't go up and down, up and down, good, bad, good, bad. It's always good. Now it doesn't necessarily have to be great. It just has to be good. Yeah consistent like you said keeping in line with the brand um like it wouldn't make any sense to have this amazing customer story and then some shitty powerpoint slide the one later that just doesn't make any sense um so let's just say coming back to like as a company's perspective so you're, you're there to advise them to consult and to coach them how would you coach them to come up with ideas because obviously that for everyone that is a struggle if you don't get up every day and do that every single day so Probably the easiest way to come up with content ideas is to get everybody in the room for an hour. That's all you probably need and come up with every single question that your customer could ask you or your yeah. prospect could ask you. So you get your salespeople, customer success, customer service, your executives and ask, everybody could easily come up with 10 questions. And so if you have 10 people in the room and they each come up with 10 questions, you give it a hundred content ideas. That's the easiest way to do it. And then, you could come up with all kinds of different types of content, but what we're doing, trying to do with content marketing is, yeah, we're trying to have high quality content and, and have it be engaging and creative. But what we're doing is really answering the customer's questions. Yeah. How do I do this? How do I do this? What happens if this happens? Right. And so I would say that's, that's the easy, easy way. The other thing to do is, is, uh, is borrow content from other companies, right? So you go out there and you see what other content works and you put your own, riff on popular topics or popular questions, right? There's, I mean, it's all about beg, borrow, steal, right? Like, uh, like n n there's no such thing as original idea marketing, like very few, right? Very I mean, few. But, but so what you try to do is you try to, you try to craft things that really work well in your own voice, you, you know, you, the own creativity, you can't cut and paste, obviously, but there's lots of ways that you can put your own spin on things. So like, I don't know, you know, when I was, re I, was a re I was a reporter for a long time, so my job was to come up with story ideas. So I don't find it difficult to come up with story ideas. Now, good ones, obviously, that's a challenge. Yeah. But it's just about getting yourself in a mindset. Like you, you look around, you read things, you hear things, and you say to yourself, that's a good story, that's a good story, that's a good story. And it's, it, that is really the key to storytelling is you're thinking story all the time. Exactly. Thank you, Sarah, all the time. Um, and just curious, do you have an, a list that you write to as well? Because I'm going to be imagining if you write regularly to your list, it's going to transfer over to writing posts for LinkedIn. Um, in terms of which word, do I jot story ideas down? Well, well yeah. So like a, a lot of, you might see, I don't know if you know Ben Settle, but they're all story-based emails. Um, he writes to his list and I'm the same way as well. You just look everywhere in life just for mundane stuff. Like, oh, I could turn this into something interesting though with a different lesson. So yeah, just curious to know like how you translated that skill from LinkedIn. Is it maybe somewhere else in your business um, that you do? Well, I tend to, I mean, for my own personal branding, I, I, I write down story ideas all the time as yep. I snippets, words, paragraphs, that kind of thing. Sometimes I, you know, if in the middle of the night, I'll write things down on a notebook. Um, you know, stories can come out of nowhere. And that's the thing that is you have to capture them as you go. So I'll give you a, an example of a, of a yeah. LinkedIn post sure. that I wrote recently that took off. So Matthew McConaughey, you know, the very popular rom-com actor, yep. he wrote a book recently called Green Lights. And if you want a good read, if you're stuck inside, definitely read that book. It's a bio 
And uh, it really resonated with me. And one of the things he said in the book was that sometimes you have to unbrand to rebrand. And when I read that, it was like, wow, what, is it, what does he mean by that? And what happened to McConaughey is that in the 1980s, 90s, he was a rom-com star. He could make a shitload of money, apologies for swearing. Yeah, no, it's all good, you can swear. Going in these rom-coms with Kate Hudson or whoever, right? And after a while, he didn't want to do that anymore. He was done that, right? So he went, moved back to Austin, Texas, and he basically said, I'm not doing that anymore. And people offered him money and money and money and money, millions and millions of dollars to make movies. And he said, no, and then Hollywood forgot about him. He was a nobody, right? And then two years later, he didn't work for two years, Somebody approached him with a dramatic role, which is what he wanted. He didn't want to do those rom-coms anymore. And, and what, he, what he found out in hindsight is that Holly, when Hollywood forgot him, he was unbranded. He lost his rom-com brand, and he, allowed, he was allowed to rebrand himself as this dramatic yeah. actor. And that was the, the start of a really successful run for McConaughey. And that's, I read that, and I thought to myself, that's a great story that I need to put on LinkedIn and I did it the next morning right away because I didn't want to lose it. And that's probably one of the most successful posts that I've written in the last little while. So, so the lesson in that is if you want to change, it's okay to take a bit of a break. If you want to change, then you, you have to be disciplined about changing, right? It's easy to go back to your own ways. You know, yep. it's easy to say, yeah, well, this is yeah. who I am, but I'm going to be this new person. But then somebody offers you something then you go back to your own ways, right? So that's the one lesson. The other lesson going back to content marketing is, is the idea that yes, there are ideas everywhere and that you can capture them and repurpose them any way yep. you want and then do it. That's the, the other thing is that you have to act on those ideas. Otherwise you're going to lose them. Yeah. And also uh, to your credit as well, like, good idea for picking someone that everyone really likes and enjoys in the films, like some sort of pop culture reference that isn't related to marketing, like really, really clever idea. Um, I just want to follow up on, you know, this is an official changing gears here, Mark. Um, okay, the segue? We, yeah, the segue. Um, let's just say we were going to be talking about customer success stories. Um, if you do happen to publish them on LinkedIn or your website, um, I, I'm very curious to know what is, because, there are a lot of bad testimonials where like, Oh, Jules is amazing. I loved working with him. You know, it was, it was a really nice guy, but it's just like, like, what was it like, what were they struggling with? Like, what was, what was life like before that they were with you? And then what problem do they solve? And so I'm just sort of curious, you know, like what, how would you pull the testimonial out? That's in that story structure, the way you want it. So the funny thing about testimonials is most of them are pretty cheesy. Most of them are pretty, you know, like unbelievable, but people love testimonials. Like if you asked, like they, they may write them off, but having cheesy testimonials versus having no testimonials, you know, who wins the cheesy testimonials, right? Yeah. Because da deep down, most people like testimonials. They, they want to feel, they want to feel like their decisions are being validated. No one wants to buy a product that, that no one else, no one other people don't buy. Right. So that's the one thing. And then for case studies, we get. We get lost in this formula of problem, solution, you know, success, results, right? We, we all follow the formula. Jules had a problem. We met him with our solution. We customize it and look how successful he is. And so what I'm suggesting is maybe we take a more creative bent towards case studies. Maybe we mm -hmm. abandon that three-step formula 
for something that's a little more creative. That's something that's, that's interesting. So why don't you tell a story about Jules and the problems that he was having and the journey that he went through and how he inadvertently found your product because he was reading a magazine at an airport and it mentioned your company like that, like tell a story that everyone can relate to because part of marketing success is sometimes going against the grain is doing things that other companies aren't doing or using channels in ways that other companies don't do. I mean, ironically, what we're doing right now, podcasting, which is super popular right now, you go back, let's say you go back six or seven years, right? Podcasting had a moment and then it, then it disappeared. Like for whatever reason, it just lost its mojo. And then podcasting came back probably four or five years ago. And as P as people, got podcasts in their cars, right? But a lot of companies at the, when podcasting was near the depths or maybe just coming up a little bit, some companies jumped on the podcasting bandwagon, right? And they, and as podcasting, when no one was doing podcasts because they thought here's a channel that has a lot of potential and may be ignored right now, but we see this as a way that we can actually outflank the competition. And then they just rode podcasting all the way up. That's just an example of one channel that you could do to do marketing in a different and better way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, couldn't couldn't agree better. And you know, I haven't done this yet. I would love to do this. Uh, it's just like bringing your customers onto the podcast and like them telling their story back to you on the podcast. Like that's just an amazing opportunity to well get their well, story well, the, out. The thing about marketing, here's the thing about podcasting, is that podcasting is a Trojan horse. Like it's great that you and I are talking and we're having a great conversation because you know we're we're contemporaries or peers, right? And we do the same thing. This is awesome. But for a lot of companies, podcasting is really about engaging in an authentic way with prospects and customers. So if you have a podcast, if you're a B2B company and you have a podcast, and I think every B2B company should have a podcast, just like they have a blog, it gives you an opportunity to reach out to, to a prospect and say, Absolutely. Hey, Jules, I, I love what you're doing. I, I really liked your product. Would love to have you on our podcast. What happens? We develop a relationship. You get to know me and my company and the services that I offer. I get to know you. And at the end of the day, people buy from people. We usually buy from people that we like. And so if we have a relationship and you suddenly recognize that I have something that you may need, then sales happens a lot easier. And yeah. then talking to your customers on a podcast is a great way of making your customers, A, feel good mm -hmm. because they've obviously made the right decision. And B, they can tell their stories that could involve you, right? So it's it's a win-win-win. Win-win-win, I totally agree. Um, I, I've said this to my audience many, many times, like whatever platform you pick, uh, I would highly recommend podcasting because like you said, just the networking relationships you build off the back end is, is very rewarding whether you have a deal or not. It's just like you meet some really cool people. If you're an inquisitive person, you like to learn, like I can't think of a better platform. It's just, just so good. What's your experience been like? You, yeah, sorry, let me ask you a question though with, with podcasting. How many people since you've been doing your podcast, how long have you been here for your podcast for? Over a year now. So since December, 2019. Okay. Of, the, of all that time, how many people have turned you down for a podcast interview? Oh, well, actually recently, I would say probably about 40 or 50 coming 40 on. 40 or 50 people have turned you down? Really? Yep. yep. That's surprising. You must ask a lot of people. Well, I've got a new system in place now to get good people on the show. And for some reason, people just don't want to come on. That's just weird. That is weird because I haven't been turned down a lot. It may be because there's more podcasts starting. Last year, there were 17,000 podcasts started a, a week. 
Yeah. So there's a lot more competition. Yeah. And so maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe people have podcast fatigue, but I don't think that should take away from anything about podcasts. I think podcasts right. are an awesome platform. There's so many benefits. Um, and one of the things about podcasts, I don't even look at my downloads. I don't even care. Right. I just, it's not if, about that at all. I just yeah. love talking to people, learning, you know, the fact that you and I are connecting, you know, you're thousands of miles away from me and we're able to do this is a, is an amazing part it's, about podcasting. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and not to make this all self indulge about me, but, um, you know, you're a bit surprised, like why, what 40 or 50 people, um, yeah, it's weird because I, I, like I'm doing everything right. I'm doing a personalized approach. You got a video for me asking you to come on my show. I listen to your show. Most people don't listen to other people's shows. It, it, I don't know. People are just busy, I guess. Um, well, it may be the fact that, you know, there's people who probably get asked a lot, but I don't think that podcasts are a, like a big investment. I mean, to come on a show and talk for th 20 or 30 minutes, there's, you don't have to prepare. Well, you should prepare, but people like to talk, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're a good conversationalist, you can make it super easy to be, be on podcasts. But, you know, I think that maybe there's a fatigue factor setting in, but I think that most people are very enthusiastic about podcasts. I think it's um it's an easy medium, and that uh, the other thing about podcasts, and I th it's the thing that you should emphasize, is that from a podcast you can make a blog post, you can do videos, you can do long form eBooks, you can repurpose them into LinkedIn posts, you can do social media updates. I mean, there's so much value from doing podcasts in terms of repurposed content that. Uh, B2B brands. That's why I say B2B brands have to have a podcast. Yes, exactly. I, I think this is a great way to close the podcast. Like a really good discussion today I had you, with you, Mark. Um, where's the best place for my audience to find you and to find your podcast as well? Well, if you go on LinkedIn, you're bound to find me. If you do a search for Mark Evans, fractional CMO, or probably Mark Evans, and you can learn about what I do at marketingspark.co. And, uh, and as you say off the top, I have a, a weekly podcast called Marketing Spark, which is 20, 25 minute conversations with entrepreneurs and marketers. Awesome. So I just added you on LinkedIn before this conversation. So I'll add your, uh, your LinkedIn, your podcast and your website, all in the links in the below, but you know, thanks so much for coming on to Storytelling Secrets today, Mark. Thanks for inviting me. This has been a lot of fun. Cool. All right. So as mentioned, Mark's podcast, Mark's website, Mark's freebie, all going to be linked down below in the description. I hope you took something away from this episode. I definitely did, uh, especially when it comes to getting past that feature war. Um, other than that, thank you for tuning in to Storytelling Secrets. I'm your host, Jules Dan. If you enjoyed today's show, go to iTunes, leave a review, send it across to support at julesdan.com. I'd be more than happy to read you and your company name out. And your LinkedIn gets put in the show notes. So you pretty much get free PR. I don't know what you're doing if you're not leaving a review and you're listening all the way to this episode. Surely you're liking it. But other than that, thanks a lot for tuning in and hope to see you for Monday's solo show. Bye for now.